Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hometown Hero Hour. I'm your host, Captain Spartacus. And I'm your co-host, Ancor. And tonight, we are answering the question, what is the power of the One Ring? Now, before you all explode and go crazy, there are a lot of you out there that might know it. Uh, our podcast is aimed to be for the um, the veteran and the newcomer of each of these topics that we cover. Right. So hopefully we have something interesting for the veteran uh, Lord of the Rings expert tonight, and and hopefully we answer the question for those that may have only have seen the movies. And I have to put out a disclaimer. <clears throat> it's been a while since I've read the books. Okay. And I'm really bad when it comes to like specific names for things okay. a lot of the time. Okay. Um, so I may forget words that I know that they exist and when somebody tells them to me I know exactly like, oh, what yeah, they're talking right, right, about. Right, yeah. Like we just talked about the Tower of Baradur, uh-huh. which is where Sauron's eye lives. I know that. But it's not conjuring to me. So if I <laughs> if I miss something or I describe it wrong, like don't sit there and give me crap about it. I know. I'm just not I haven't put enough work into it, I guess. Well maybe. and I mentioned this probably once a <clears throat> once an episode where I go, Oh my gosh, I know that name, but because we're doing the show, just right. like who is Ikaku? I don't know. <laughs> right. I know who Ikaku is. Of course. Uh, anyway, so yeah, once again, we are enthusiasts. We are not experts. Although, we all just need to relax. Yeah. Calm down. It's just the show. So this uh, this question came to me because up until this year, actually, I had only ever seen the movies. Oh, I loved okay. them. They're great. Even after having read the books, the movies are good. It's my opinion. I read yes. the books. I loved the books. Oh my gosh. I cannot tell you how much I love those books. I cried like 17 times. They were just so moving. Anyway, uh, and and even having read the books, I love the movies. I think that it's safe to say that the books are some of the greatest literature to be put out in the past. I would you know, not dispute 200 that. 200 years. Oh, absolutely. Easy. Yeah. Um, the movies, I would also claim to be um, a shining example of the best that the industry can come up with. And you know... I there's a there's a lot happening right now with reboots, remakes, whatever. I still feel like Lord of the Rings is so relevant. Yeah. They're just, still just so solid. They don't need don't to touch, touch him. Yeah, just don't well, touch it. Well, I mean they couldn't even if they wanted to. Right. Because uh Tolkien's family that hold the rights to the Lord of the Rings movies have said they're not going to give them up again. Good. Because, because they did it right the first time. Well, and actually <laughs> it's interesting because I think it's Tolkien's son hates the movies he, really yeah he yeah that, that's that's what i that's what i think i know is that tolkien's family thought that the movies did not do enough justice for the books that it was anyway that they, they didn't like them well so here, here's the thing so i did uh a lord of the rings movie marathon the hobbit and lord of the rings movie marathon uh one time with my family and we watched all three of the extended versions of The Hobbit. Oh, wow. And then all three of the extended versions of The Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. That should be standard. Those, okay. oh, it man. is. It's it's two full days of watching movies, doing nothing but sitting on your butt watching these. Okay, it's intense. Mm-hmm. So to hear that it didn't do 
the books just now granted the books are amazing they have so much extra detail it's hard to do those justice right but They're to dense. say you didn't do enough with it is kind of and and because of that we're not going to do any more movies it kind of surprises me a lot i could be totally wrong believe me <clears throat> i i'm not someone that is you know a that thinks I can't be wrong. I could totally be wrong sure. on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what I remember hearing from the family in some interview Dang. or some something that they really did not like the Peter Jackson films, and so will not give out the rights to another Lord of the Rings movie. But I mean, even with that said, we love them just the way that they are. Right. Um. Oh yeah. My point. Wow. My point <laughs> is that uh, having only watched the movies. I had no idea what the power of the One Ring actually was. What does it actually do? Well, it's it's so vague. I mean, it's, it is. It's almost like here's a plot device, right? Yeah. I mean, not not not, not to bash I, on I don't, it, right? Yeah, I yeah. don't want to bash on it, but the the thing is, and, and we'll uh, later on we'll start putting parallels between this and Dungeons and Dragons because yeah, put it in some kind of a perspective, heavily, right? Yeah, but I mean. The ring is sentient. It mm-hmm. can make decisions, mm-hmm. and it has its own power. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense that it can do what it thinks it needs to do in order to be able to get the thing it wants to have done accomplished. Sure. But just having watched the films, I don't know what its abilities or capabilities are. Sure. Okay. And, That's and fair. And so it was hard for me to really define what the one ring was. I mean, you know that Sauron wants it. You so then you know that it has to be destroyed, but why? Right? The movies tell you that Sauron poured all of his hatred and malice into the crafting of the ring, right? But they don't tell you that he put a piece of his soul into the ring and and therefore bound the ring to himself because there's like some like Voldemort in a Horcrux situation yep, going on, uh, right? Phylactery or a Horcrux. Serious yep. biz. Mm-hmm. And the one ring actually binds him to middle earth which is why when isildur cut the ring from his hand and he and he was defeated right thrown down in the movies he blows up right uh why he stuck around because the ring in because the ring was still around that you know that was his phylactery right that was that tied him to middle earth can you imagine having a phylactery that takes hundreds of years before you get back yeah right oh my gosh i'd be so bored <laughs> like i mean in D, it's what it's like a day one d six days oh yeah yeah yeah. you yeah. know uh-huh. i mean it's it's something crazy like that where it's like oh, i'll be back next week and then here it's like i'll see your grandkids i'll see you in three thousand years <laughs> which is what it was in the lord of the rings kind of right. i mean like uh it's three thousand years from when sauron was you know when the one ring was cut to when it was destroyed but so let's talk about let's talk about the origin of the ring and kind of like start from the big actually you know what let's start before that let's talk Mm -hmm. about who sauron was so that we can get to why the ring was made and then we can kind of discuss the powers that it's got if you're cool with that yes and that's important because tolkien himself said nothing is born evil and Sauron was no exception. That's hmm. a base. That's almost a direct quote from the author, which is really nice. cool. Yeah, I like that. So Sauron started out as a uh, what's known as a Maiar, which if you if in the hierarchy of Arda, which is the world 
that where Lord of the Rings takes place. Uh, there's the Va- the Valar, which are like the gods, mm-hmm. and then there's the Maiar, which are like uh, angels, if you will, like as far as uh, the hierarchy. Yeah, as, goes. F- as as far as like hierarchy goes. And and for those that that aren't super familiar, um, Gandalf would be considered a Maiar. Gandalf is a Maiar. Um, Saruman was a Maiar. Um, so they're Radagast, the Radagast brown, the brown was a Maiar. Uh-huh. So, so those are the people we're talking about. He was so Sauron was one of those, if that helps. yeah. Uh huh. And of course, some of them got sent to Middle Earth as wizards, right. and some of them fled to Middle Earth like Sauron to escape the wrath of his master Melkor, mm-hmm. um, who was the original until, big bad. Yeah. So Melkor was. He's known as the he is the original Dark Lord in the lore of Lord of the Rings, and Sauron. I forget what his name was. I swear it started with an M. I don't remember what Sauron's name was at first, mm. but he had a name that meant like the loyal one or the something, right? Like he was the he was the strongest Maiar. Mm. He was known as the strongest Maiar, but he was also the bad, like the goodest. He was the most good. <laughs> And he was corrupted by Melkor, hmm. uh, and he but he kept that a secret. Oh, okay. so, so he ends up he ends up kind of yeah, beguiling everybody and, else uh-huh. and being like, "Hey, I'm a totally good guy, right? Believe he's me. bad, and he's he's like an agent of Melkor or whatever now, but he's playing like he's still a good guy and actually spied on the Valar for Melkor. Nice, and that's how he got his name Sauron the Deceiver, or that's part of it. He became known as Sauron after he. Revealed that he was working with Melkor. Right. So now he's, that's part of why he's Sauron the Deceiver. So, so uh, I go mean, ahead. because of that, so, so we know that he's a Maiar and we know that the Maiar have certain powers. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, we can, we can see uh, Saruman, Gandalf doing magic. He could do magic as well, but he could do some cool stuff that we haven't seen anybody else do. Like he, no. he had shapeshift powers, right? Yeah. At the height he, uh, so Sauron was actually at the height of his power in the first age. Mm. And he could shapeshift into a werewolf and a vampire. And he actually lived on what was known as the Island of Werewolves. And he just had like this freaking army of werewolves. So I find that part interesting. Oh? You shapeshift into all of the bad evil things. Yeah. But yet you're a totally good guy that couldn't possibly be a bad evil thing. I don't know. I think this was after. I actually think this was after his out, like his like after he got outed. Melkor. Yeah, after he was okay. outed because he was Melkor's like top lieutenant, and he okay. had his own like kingdom. See that or fits whatever a little bit more. Over. Yeah, I'm the ultimate big bad, yeah. and now look at my big badness because I can turn into all these other big bads that we created. Right. 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 Sense. Uh, and then, I mean, he was defeated by like one guy in at the height of his power, even more than his power when he has the one ring, he Mm. was stronger in the first age. And I don't remember the guy's name. It's not, I mean, like, it's not super pertinent because we're kind of focusing on the one ring, but he was defeated by one guy. Freaking crazy. The heroes that were in the first two ages are just like mind blowing. Like, you think Aragorn is cool, and <laughs> rightly so. Aragorn can't, he is, he's little compared to these guys. Nice. So this Crazy. is the epic campaign. Oh, my is what we're goodness, yes. Uh-huh. Nice. So, uh, Arag- uh, so 
Aragorn is like a normal Dungeons and Dragons campaign, right? Maybe like level 15, higher. But the first two age heroes are like prestige classes. They're 20 plus. Like they, it's, nice. it's crazy. It's so, so cool. Anyway, so in the second age, in the year 1200, Sauron shapeshifts into the form of Anatar, the Lord of Gifts. And this is someone that Sauron himself has created. Like a, this is a, this is an alias that he has made. Mm, okay. The, the shape that he took is not a real, is not an actual person outside of this. And he comes to the elves, and I think at, uh, in Elendar, because they're known as the Elendari. Okay. These elves. Anyway, so he comes to these elves in this region, and they're uh, led by Celebrimbor. Okay. Who is a famous elf that I know. If you played like, if you played Shadows Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of Mordor yeah. you know Celebrimbor. He's crazy. So he's the king of the elves in this region. And Sauron comes to them in this form of Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, and teaches them how to ring craft. And, so he shows yeah. up as Santa. Yeah. He's like, "Hey guys, I got something for you. How about I teach you guys how to do some cool stuff?" Yeah. Right. But this and, whole time yeah. he's playing double agent. Yes, and at first the elves did not trust him until he taught them how to ringcraft, and then they trusted him. Mm. One of Sauron's awesome powers is his manipulation and his persuasion. So he later on, he actually gets captured, voluntarily gets captured by the men of Numenor. And he manipulates and corrupts the people they know exactly this is a side story i'm i'm like sidetracking a thousand <laughs> years into the future or whatever um but the people and the king of numenor know exactly who sauron is mm. and he and yet he turns them to his side and they wage war against valinor where the valar live where the gods live he turned the people who knew he was satan against the gods so he's a charisma based class probably yeah. a Bard. <laughs> He's probably a super a charismatic um, uh, uh, death knight or something. There you go. Right? Yeah, that's interesting that people, even knowing who he was. He was able to turn them to his side. He was able to be like, no, really, guys. It's it's totally cool. I'm this total bad evil thing, well, but and he, you yeah. still need to go and kill all those gods. Well, and he took another form. Um. And like, and that's how he helped them turn to his side and whatever. Right. But anyway, so he comes to the elves and teaches them how to ring craft. They, um, and they, that took 400 years. Well, it takes 400 years for him to finally craft the one ring. Oh, so okay. in that time, it was like in the, it was like in 1500, I think is when Celebrimbor forged the three rings that went to the elves. Okay. Uh, before that, he had forged all of the other um, three rings, or or the, sorry, the other like ten ring, or no, sixteen rings. Sixteen rings, nine, seven. And yeah. Three. So, <clears throat> as we know from the opening of the Fellowship of the Ring and Gladwell's <laughs> uh, voiceover exposition, that nine rings were forged by Celebrimbor and his people, and they went to the kings of men. And those were just referred to as like the rings of power, right? Right. They were just nine rings of power. Um, we don't really know what they do. They uh, were kind of generic. Yeah, it just kind of. I, I kind of feel like it would just be like enhance ability. Yeah, or not. Yeah, you're just better at what you do. You're stronger. You're faster. You're not a lot is known about the nine rings themselves, but a lot is known about what happened to those. Oh yeah, bears, right. Absolutely. So then 
excuse me, so then you have the seven rings that went to the dwarves, and there was one of them that went to um, Durin the Third. Okay. And he was like the king of all the dwarves or whatever, and so that was like a big, big thing. Right. Uh, and then three, the three that went to the elves, Celebrimbor made without Sauron's influence. So Sauron kind of oversaw the creation of these 16 okay. over the course of 500 years. And then Celebrimbor made these three on his own. Right. And so they were a little more detached from the influence of the one. So that makes a lot of sense yeah. uh, as we kind of go into the, the future part of it. And maybe mm-hmm. I'm jumping ahead here a little bit. No, no, but no. When he goes and makes the one ring mm-hmm. and goes to try to bind all of the other rings of power to him, uh-huh. he oversaw those 16, which right. are the ones that got the most corrupted. You know, we know that the nine, um, obviously they turned into ring wraiths. They're his Nazgul, right. yeah. They're, they're his slaves. Mm-hmm. The seven didn't quite get that far but they all basically turn crazy and super greedy yes and you know that's where uh what do they call it the dragons oh like dragon fever yeah dragon fever is that what it is yeah so that that thorin got in the hobbit after smog or smog smog however you want to say i don't Uh care whenever the uh benedict cumberbatch dragon was (laughs) defeated thorin kind of went crazy with his like lust for gold and his greed well and we see that as a kind of a hereditary thing that they kind of and that a lot of that has to do with the influence of the seven rings that the dwarves were given right they were even to sauron himself they were the dwarves were surprisingly resilient to his influence right they had the rings on they weren't corrupted because they're hardy people but instead they just got like insatiably greedy right and they and they grew their wealth to an insane degree during that time. It's kind of like it found the one the one weakness that they yeah. actually had, it, which was their it, avarice, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and exploited that. But what's interesting is that we saw that with the elves, none of the well, at least the ones that we were able to see in the in the movie, yeah, um, they're they're not wielding their rings at all. <laughs> you know what oh. I mean? Like they're well, you think. So here's a fun thing about the three elf rings. Okay. So because Sauron uh, did not play a part in their creation, he could still dominate them if he had gotten his ring back. Sure. So when they were first made, I don't know if... Okay, anyway. So when they were uh, first made, they were given to... um, the Like Galadriel had that ring from the very beginning Mm -hmm. because Celebrimbor, I'm pretty sure, was in love with her. Which is kind of cool. Um, I don't. I think. I think that's what I remember. Anyway. It's, any, anyway. So the elves were given their rings, and as soon as Sauron made his one ring and was, you know, seeking to um, to control, um, yeah, them. to control yeah. all of the other ring bearers, mm-hmm. they sensed that and they took their rings off. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh. Okay. Yeah. I see. We're on I the see. same page. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm jumping ahead now. Yeah. Because after Sauron is defeated and the one ring is, like, away, right? Right. Isildur has it, whatever. The elves end up putting their rings back on. Right. And then, and, but, but the power still starts, it starts waning. Not right? until the ring is actually destroyed. Because right. their power still is tied, still still is kind of tied to the one ring. But during the Third Age and the, the War of the Ring and that kind of stuff, 
um, they still wear their rings of power, but they are invisible. Okay, we're on the same page. We're okay, on the same page. I, I think I misunderstood. Yeah, okay. so, and maybe, uh, it was probably me explaining no, 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 badly, no. but yeah, the elves were able to detect, hey, Sauron's trying to do this really shady stuff Yeah, that's tied to this ring somehow. Whoop, I'm not going to get corrupted. Right. We're going to leave it off. And then, yeah, in the so, Third Age, they're like, well, okay, well, Sauron's not here anymore, so we're going to... I think it was during the Third Age. I don't know when they put their rings back on. But I do know that the elves were not, they avoided being corrupted because they took their rings off. Right. The dwarves were not corrupted in the way that Sauron wanted because they're so resilient. Can you imagine dwarf ring wraiths? Like, that would have been kind of hard to deal with. Yeah, they got short legs. <laughs> how are they going to get up on those giant ponies? They don't need to be on the giant ponies. Just think of how, like, resilient. Look at how resilient the ring wraiths were to begin with. And now you're making all of those dwarfs with, like, 37 axes all over them. I mean, that would be really hard to fight. Well, the dwarves would need horses. As we know, dwarves are natural-born sprinters. <laughs> cool. Very dangerous over short distances. Wow. They would need ponies. Fantastic. No, of course they would, yeah. but not oh, those wow. big, giant, crazy things, oh, sure. you know? Right. But, but, I mean, that yeah. would be kind of interesting. It would. Seeing, maybe they get, like, little keg ponies or pony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little keg tiny ponies. Ones. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's awesome. Like little Sebastian. Every ring wraith dwarf gets a little Sebastian. Yeah, there you go. They're not that scary anymore then. Especially if they're all on a little Sebastian. You know what I mean? Nah, you know what they you know what they get. You remember in the, the Battle of the Five Armies? Yes. Did you did you watch the extended version of that? No, I wasn't a big Dude, fan the, of the Hobbit, the, I'm gonna be honest. The fight is kind of amazing. Okay. Like Okay. Just on a little bit of a tangent here, I was sitting here like, how are the dwarves going to beat the elves? Mm -hmm. Because the elves are all about the range. Yeah. And the dwarves are just like, we just want to get in your face and we're riding pigs. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, how's this going to work out? And then, so, of course, the elves end up launching just this giant hailstorm, like the sky goes black with arrows. Mm -hmm. And then you see the dwarves actually pull out these little, they kind of look like helicopters. Right? They're shooting their own thing that looks like a giant helicopter top that just chops all the arrows into pieces. What? Right? And uh. I'm like, oh, all right, it's on. Oh, it's my on. Goodness. And then they're riding, like they have, I don't remember if it was rams or if it was boars, but they're pulling along a death machine a la Bahubali, ah. where the blades are sitting there spinning. Ah, I see. So imagine, you know, these seven ring wraith dwarfs running around with those okay well now you have my attention <laughs> right they're they're all on awesome. right on lawnmower is being pulled by giant boar like that's actually sound, that actually sounds really cool so now we are at the part in 1600 of the second age the uh, moment the big moment yes right? where sauron has forged the one ring in the fires of mount doom and uh, now his plan is in motion to dominate all of the other ring bearers. His plan was if he could take control of all of the leaders of all of the races, then him ruling, dominating, controlling the rest of Middle Earth would be a snap. Right. So he wouldn't have to necess he wouldn't have to wage war. He just takes it. Well, yeah, you think about it. It was a really smart plan. It was, and it was because, freaking 400 years in the making. Yeah, if, plus. You, if you control all of the leaders, well, just imagine the world, okay? You imagine yeah. if you were a bad dude with magical powers, godlike powers, mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, I want to take over this planet, but I'm also lazy. 
So I'm just going to go and subvert it so that all of them, with one snap of my fingers, end up becoming my puppets. I own the world, and right. I didn't have to fight anybody for it. No, you conquered it with your mind. Right. Which <clears throat> must be just as satisfying. Oh, yeah. Right? Just being like, you know what? I didn't even have to lift a finger. No. All I had to do was whisper here, talk yeah. to this guy there. We helped build a thing, or several things in this case. Right. And then, boom, yeah. I win. Yep, 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 yep. So now that the one ring has been created, we're finally into the nitty-gritty and um, we let's talk about what its powers are. We did we've talked extensively on its ability to uh, dominate the will of other ring bearers, right? Uh, but it oh, and we did also talk about how it's infused with Sauron's spirit, and yeah. it tethered him to Middle Earth. As so, long as the ring survived, Sauron could not be banished to the other world. Right. I mean, it's a phylactery. It's a yeah. Horcrux. Uh huh. You know, we so as long as it survives, Sauron is always going to come back. Right. One other, another thing we see it do, is that it can transport the wearer um, to the wraith or the unseen realm. Right. And uh, so this is we see this in the movies. Yeah. When where Frodo everything puts appears it on, like it's, it's all fiery and underwater. And he turns invisible. So Kinda, you know, yeah. uh, for the D and D people out there, I, I think this is almost like etherealness. Uh -huh. Spell in D and D, mm -hmm. where you move to the ethereal realm and you can move around and do whatever you need to do, um, but you're basically in another dimension at that point. And yes. all the people look weird too, right? Like especially the ring wraiths. You can actually see who they are because they exist in both worlds. I guess that's one yes. thing we didn't talk about. No, we didn't. So Sauron and the rest of the Maiar and the Valar exist simultaneously in like the physical or material world and the unseen world. Right. Which is why Sauron doesn't go invisible when he uses the ring, because right. he exists in both realms simultaneously. Uh, and what you see when Frodo goes into the unseen realm is I forget what the what the word is, but it's like the it's like their spirit, right. essentially. And that's why we see the ring wraiths' faces and their crowns and whatever their old skeletony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weirdo-looking Because guys. that's their spirit in the unseen realm. Which I think is interesting because humans are not. They do not exist in both realms simultaneously. No. You know, so it's interesting to see that because of that ring of power, they have now been essentially forced into the ethereal realm and the physical realm at the same time, but now they're puppets to Sauron. Yeah. Uh, we also see the one ring enhance and magnify natural powers and abilities uh this isn't this isn't really touched on in the movies but you no. see it in the books where um when frodo puts on the ring at the at the in like the ruins of amon hen right which is where um where the big boromir where boromir yeah. dies right for reference mm -hmm. in the movies uh he oh. sees miles and miles and miles he sees from amon hen to Baradur in right. Mordor. He sees all the way there. Super it's, eagle vision. Yeah, it's enhancing his natural sight. And then in the books, um, Sam puts on the ring near the tower of Kirith, on Kirith Ongol. There you go. Which is uh, Sh uh, Shelob's lair. So right. you have Shelob's lair, and it's known as Kirith Ongol. That's the area. And then and then Sauron had a ta you know like an outpost. Uh, that was the tower, or like the whatever tower of Kirith Ongol. Right. So Sam puts it on there after Frodo is taken, 
and he can his hearing uh, gets improved. Yeah, he can hear all the way down these tunnels. And not only can he hear their talking, but it gives him uh, linguistic abilities where Sam can understand the black speech of Mordor. Right. He yeah, can understand he gets the orcs. Comprehend languages. <laughs> yeah. For <laughs> right? the D&D spell. And uh-huh. he gets the enhance ability. Uh, you know, he's going to get his wisdom enhanced, essentially, for being able to hear or perceive. So yeah. they're kind of getting this whole amplification kit of whatever whatever it needs at the time, which I mm-hmm. think is kind of interesting. Yeah. And then we talked about how uh, it can control all other 19 rings of power. Obviously, it would need more time to work on the elves' rings since it wasn't as directly, since Sauron wasn't as directly involved in their creation. Right. Uh, but the purpose of the one ring is to control the other 19 rings. So we- another thing that we saw kind of in the the vein of deceiving and corrupting other people is we actually see it being able to conjure illusions. In like the, with yes. Sam mm-hmm. in Kirith um, you know, he appears as what is like a white knight. It's glowy a, like a elf great person. elven warrior. They right. all think he's a, he's an elven warrior. That's right. what they call him. Yeah. And uh-huh. then Frodo, um, at one point he's all dressed in white, uh, at, um, in, in, uh, Mount doom when he's right. standing on That's the precipice right. about to throw it in. Like, yeah, you see him in these like white robes and it's just like all this power and it's yeah, oh it's nuts. It's so, nuts. I mean, those weren't real. Those were illusions yes. that were crafted by the ring. By the ring. Uh-huh. So, we know that it's got, you know, at least some illusion capabilities to be able to really I I think it's more of like manipulating the mind mm-hmm. that these things are there, but within like kind of the D&D, if you're going to be making this as an item, it's got to be able to basically conjure minor or well minor probably because it's within five feet um yeah conjure minor illusions mm-hmm. to be able to give it an air you may even want to go up to like major so that it has movement and things like that and be able to affect those things but it seems to have the ability to inject sensations into its target's minds it often gives people um a feeling of what they could accomplish with the ring Right. It gives them a sense of what their power could be, what their strength could be, how they could be the ruler if they take it. And they feel those things. And that's all part of it's like corrupting and whatever. But they do feel those things. Sam feels it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gollum feels it. He talks about how he wants the ring so that he can rule in Baradur mm-hmm. just so that he can get fish every day. <laughs> right. That's what he wants. He wants to rule he so that he can get every. fish. Right. Which, man. <laughs> Oh man, that's Low so sad. Right that's there, so man. that breaks my heart, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah. So so oh one, and we've talked about how it has a will of its own. Yes, right. It that, is definitely sentient. Yeah, it's sentient. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about, but that is pretty clear. Well, uh, it's it's its power grows as it gets closer. It's, I don't know if it's for sure if it gets closer to Mordor where it was created or if, or if it gets closer to Sauron who it's directly tied to. Yeah, that's really hard to even say because they're I don't so know close it's definitive. to each other. I don't know that yeah, there's anything that, super definitive. I don't know that we know for sure but, which one. Yeah, but um, Frodo's burden of the ring gets worse and worse the farther they get to the point where in Return of the King, you can see that it's worn the skin raw around right. his neck. It's getting physically yeah. heavier to mm-hmm. carry, kind of symbolic of the extra burden that that he has on him, right. but also in a very literal way, it is just 
harder to yes. carry. This and burden. its will gets stronger. You see right. that a lot in the books. Its will and its power gets stronger as you get closer to Mordor or Sauron or whatever, because Frodo wasn't seen as this great, terrible warrior when the like ring wraiths came upon him or like when they right. saw the orcs at Amon Hen. Mm-hmm. And yet Sam is seen as this elf warrior with four arms and like this huge thing when they're right in the, you know, when they've just crossed into Mordor. Right. So I think that's, that's really freaking cool. Yeah. I think that's, it, it's really interesting. And yeah, I'm, I think that that kind of covers what we know of the actual powers that it, possesses Mm -hmm. they're varied they're wide and varied but i think part of that is is i mean one of the nice things about if you're if you're going to be dming with an object like this Mm -hmm. right it gives you that flexibility it obviously is able it's sentient it has a goal it knows what it wants to do and is able it has its own magical power so you can add in effects that it wants to do as it does it i'm sure that it can do anything magically feasible within you know that world Mm -hmm. that it wants to do in order to accomplish whatever it needs um everything that we see is really pretty subtle it's not overt you're not going to be casting fireballs or ice out of it right um but i think from there all of the illusion enchantment style magics are kind of all in play Mm -hmm. you could do it whatever you really want even you know disguise self alter self mass suggestion there's a lot of fun things that you could kind of add in there. Yeah, that's all on the table. As as it gets, you know, clo- uh, closer and closer to being destroyed or whatever the goal is that it wants to do. Right. Uh one thing that we haven't touched on though, there's one person in known Lord of the Rings who is immune to oh, the yeah. Rings influence. Someone who was omitted from the movies, which is too bad, although I get it. Um cuz he was a l- kind of ancillary you know, yeah. you're like, okay, a very interesting person oh my to gosh. see and yes. kind of an enigma, Yes, you know, on purpose, older right. than everything that is in existence. Yes. And he's just kind of, all right. So he is known to the hobbits as Tom Bombadil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is, he doesn't know how old he is. He's presumably as old as Arda itself, as right. the world itself. And he just lives in the forest and he takes care of his realm. He saves the hobbits from... Um, this hostile, like, white oak tree yep, or something like that, right? It was something... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he is immune to its effects. Yeah, and it he, doesn't to where impact he him puts it, He puts it on and just goes like, oh, just kind of, like, laughs and takes it off and gives it right back. Oh, it has no power over him whatsoever. It's amazing. And he's kind of the ultimate, like, chaotic good character. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, this, he yeah. is... He he just does not care about anything else that's going on. He's the absolute just, embodiment of chaotic good. Yeah. And there's the little song that he teaches to the hobbits that if they need his help, they sing this little song and Tom Bombadil just shows up right. and helps them. I think they're still within his realm. I don't think the song works. Like if Frodo and Sam yeah. were to sing the song in Mordor, I don't think Tom Bombadil would have showed up in Mordor. Right. But it's re- I don't remember the song now. But I don't have it memorized. <laughs> me neither, but it's so cool. It's just something about like Tom Bombadil is coming. He's just this, like really whimsical but the, character. He the reminds me of the ghost of Christmas present from very, um, yeah, very from much the, so. from the Muppet Christmas Carol specifically. Right. Yeah. So, but what's interesting there is, is like you said, he's immune to this, which kind of yeah. gives us the theory 
that the ring can only affect people that are tied to Middle Earth. Yeah. You know, that are from there. Whereas since he is kind of an enigma and kind of above not only that, but kind of is part of the whole of of the world, he's kind of apart from that. And it just it's small potatoes to him. Right, because he has no need for conquest for ruling because he's presumably as old as the world right so he's existed long before middle earth and these conflicts and he'll presumably be around long after they're gone right so anything in between that is probably just so short term that he's just not even trifled with it i honestly think if because i think frodo tried to give him the ring or have tom take the ring or something Right, he wanted Tom to no, because they were still trying to meet no. Gandalf at the Prancing Pony or yeah. in in Bree, right? But if Tom, if they had given the ring to Tom, I think he would have just put it down somewhere and completely forgotten about it. Yeah, which no, actually that... would have been terrible. Yeah, because, because someone else would have found it. And if, if not that, then Sauron there. would never have been able to truly have been defeated. Right. So anyway, just something cool to think about. I love Tom Bombadil. He's one of my favorite characters in the whole book because he's just so cool and he's such an enigma. You have, anyway, he's really, really, really interesting. I thought it was just kind of funny these just casual displays of this immense power. Yes. That you're like, ah, it's no big deal. And you're like, no, really, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. A little bit, a little bit of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to conclude our episode for this week, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, that was the power of the one ring. I hope yeah. we answered it. It's There's a lot to it, but I hope that that kind of helped nail it down. A it was little a little bit. long and a little bit of a roundabout, but it's we got fun, there in man. the end. We love Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> trying to stay like strictly on topic is not really what we do here. No. We hope that you go away from this episode with some talking points to be able to participate in a conversation about the Maiar, about Celebrimbor, about mm-hmm. the one ring in general, right? Right. So that's our hope that you get some talking points, some good information. We love doing these podcasts, you guys. This is so much fun. It would really, really help us out if um, you like, subscribe, follow, wherever you listen to the podcast. It's on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, we're everywhere now. Um, yeah, we're at eight different places. And then you can also find the web show for these episodes on our community YouTube channel, The Hometown Heroes, and it's just our HH logo. So uh, all of that would really, really help us out. If you guys have any topic ideas, anything that you want to see us talk about on the show, let us know. We definitely have things, you know, planned out, but we would love to hear from you guys. Yeah, we want to hear from you guys and, and, you know, what you think other abilities of the One Ring are. Or yeah. if you're going to be making this as an item in a D&D game, how did you end up building we it? We want to know how you did I wanna it, know, yeah. I want to know what you're doing there. So yeah. definitely drop us a line. Yeah, hit us up on social media. Uh, I guess until next time, I'm Captain Spartacus. And I'm Dancor. We'll see ya. See you guys.